What goes through your mind when you see a wedding gown? And what happens when a discarded piece of apparel becomes a sculpture loaded with subtext? On this episode of The Cultured Podcast, I pay a studio visit to Atlanta-based artist Elisa Four, and together we explore the deepest realms of human connection and emotion. I'm Michelle Corey, a travel, arts, and culture writer and marketing strategist who travels the world in search of fascinating stories and unique perspectives in the arts. And this is The Cultured Podcast, a weekly conversation with talented artists, performers, and creators to serve you a digestible dose of culture for all. Welcome, my beloveds, to another episode of The Cultured podcast. Um, why am I not writing Broadway musicals right now? What am I doing with my life? JK, what I'm doing with my life right now is welcoming you to a brand new episode of Cultured. I'm very excited for my conversation with Elise DeFore today. And in fact, she is what triggered my inspiration for this week. Right now, I'm thinking about the rawness of humanity and how we can all experience such deep emotion, such deep intimacy, such deep sadness, such such incredible joy and bliss, and how important it is to embrace those feelings, to feel them. You know, I think there's a new trend with the youths, as my best friend and I say, (laughs) to not emote or to not show emotion in a very robotic way. But as you're about to find out from listening to this episode, We all feel deeply, and I think what helps us all feel more united and more of one consciousness is expressing what we're feeling and telling each other that we're not alone in our sentiments. So on today's interview with Elise, we get incredibly raw, and we uncover some very real emotions that drive Elise in her journey as an artist. And she opens up to us about some very deeply emotional and traumatic moments in her life that ended up triggering a series of self-expression through the arts. And it's really something heart-wrenching, but also incredible to hear. And I want to salute Elise for her openness and for sharing with us in such a very real way, because I think it's very important nowadays to do that. And, you know, Elise's exhibition that we'll dive into in just a few minutes is called Talking Back. And it's an exhibition that she put on in 1999. And it was triggered by by an extremely violent and traumatic event in her life, again, that you'll hear about in the first 10 minutes of today's episode. But she wrote a poem to accompany that exhibition, and it's incredibly beautiful. So I want to read it for you. And this is our inspiration for the week. Talking Back by Elise DeFore. In these manifestations, I am talking back. Talking back to a world that breeds intolerance, hatred, and a callous disregard for life. Talking back to those who commit violent acts. Talking back to false pride and passiveness. 
talking back to convention, and the pursuit of things as a measure of success, talking back to loneliness, talking back to God, talking back to those who would constrain me, to those who I empower to judge me, to those who do not speak of secret things, talking back to my past and embracing it, talking back to fear and befriending it, talking back and receiving grace. I can't wait for you to learn more about Elise, for you to get to know her in this interview, and for you to learn to talk back a little bit more in your own life. I'm sending you so much love. And without further ado, here's Elise. Hello, Elise. Hello, Michelle. Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) We are right now sitting in your stunning studio in Atlanta, Georgia. It's this sprawling space with your art and your friend's art on the walls. Mm -hmm. And it's really inspiring. You have a few different rooms. And right now we're in sort of like the sitting room of your space. And sitting in front of us in the chair across from our couch is my wedding dress. (laughs) <laughs> sitting empty on the chair. A beautiful dress, may I add? <laughs> well, thank you. And it finally has a home. Mm-hmm. And I was, as I was telling you earlier, you interviewed me and we're about to talk about the process of how you collect wedding dresses and why. Um, but part of that process is interviewing the person who brings you their dress and getting quotes from them. And so we were just talking about how I have hung on to this for years because I got divorced almost four years ago and something just told me to hang on to it. And I knew the moment we met that it was because it was meant for you. And so it's a huge honor for me that you have my dress because A, I get to get rid of it and B, it gets to be art. That's right. That's right. (laughs) That's kind of like the best case scenario for me. Yeah. (laughs) That's so, yeah. Supporting art. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, before we start exploring that, because there's so many questions that I have for you about the way that you collect wedding dresses and why, let's talk a little bit about you and your origins as your origin story, (laughs) as if you're a super art hero. How did you get into art? My dad, when I was a little girl, took me out on the railroad tracks and showed me how they came together. And this is perspective. Oh, my God. I came home and drew the living room in perspective at four years old. So I was always drawing and doing art, creating art. He helped me to, to see, you know, look, look at that, you know, just to kind of gather in the world. Wow. Always knew I wanted to be an artist, went to college, went to the University of Georgia, um, majored in painting, and then became a graphic designer afterwards. Mm. My art kind of just went to the wayside, you know, as I was a graphic designer and doing environmental graphic design, which brought me to like architecture and scale. Mm -hmm. You know, I can walk into a space and figure out how the art is going to look in it. So that, that, that's something that enhanced and also materials, um, because I did a lot of, um, signage. So learning about how things are put together. I mean, my father, when we would we would do projects together, maybe I was the oldest and not a boy. I was very mechanically minded. You know, he taught me about tools and putting things together. And so I'm one of those rare, probably females back when I grew up. Who yes. Learned that. 
what motivated you to go back to school I for art? I just felt like I, I needed the critique and I wasn't doing art on my own other than little sketches here and there. Yeah. So you missed it. There I was miss, a, I'm, yeah, compulsion, a compulsion. A yeah. compulsion. So going back and um, at one point um, I was with Tom Francis. I had Tom Francis and Tony Greco that that year mm-hmm. and I was like what am I going to paint you know it's like I'm not going to do still lives or whatever just and so he said why don't you think about metaphors mythology in your own life of what you could paint and so I did a series on like the snaps of garter belts oh wow and to me they told us they were the symbol of a story where I had lost a baby Mm. and the snaps um some of them were loose like they hadn't been connected and some of them were connected but uh, anyway the large scale it it just you know poured out in me to paint these garter belts my goodness so that's really where my the feminine I think ideology just somehow as ways of telling stories without being just yeah. so on the obvious. Nose. Yeah. Yeah. This has been basically your entire life mm-hmm. then. You know, because as we were walking through your studio, I'm just seeing this, you know, you also have a series of photographs of a man, a nude man, and his back is facing the camera. And there's like this beautiful, thick textile that he's that's wrapped around him or like hanging below him. And you can see his figure and it looks like the male version of the classical uh, feminine statues that we're used to from like classicism. There's this sense of textile and intimacy mm-hmm. and the and so now you're telling me that apparel and intimacy mm-hmm. or apparel as symbols of intimacy have been a part of your work almost your whole career mm-hmm. the the whole idea of how we conceal and reveal ourselves mm-hmm. through our, our clothing you know what we it that, that very much intrigues me what um, intrigues you about it it is like theater. Like when I dress, I do think about where I'm going. What do I want to portray yes. um, to the audience? And the idea of being sexy looking versus, you know, virginal kind of like no unapproachable. That's that's one thing, you know, that I, I work with personally. So... I, this theme just seems to have kind of carried forth. I mean, I have done other things that deal with symbols in ways and, and using them to heal myself and others. How do you think that you heal yourself and others through your work? With the show downtown at Gallery 72 that was up for two months, first of all, I was so like worried about it like what people are going to think of me. You know, I'm basically revealing myself by showing this work to put wedding dresses on the floor, like looking like somebody's just walked out of them. Mm -hmm. The response I got and the feedback I got from just really everyday people that who are not in like art, Mm -hmm. 
the feedback was so meaningful to me and their interpretations were enlightening. Wow. You know, you'd think like the pile of belts that I had there. Usually people think, you know, sadomasochistic bondage. But no, I, I, people like one woman saw, saw it and said, I, I've learned not to tell them what I thought. I'd ask, what's your thought? Yes. And this one woman said, I just see them as beautiful individuals going to make up a whole. And, you know, that was the first time I'd ever heard that. Wow. And I like collecting, obviously. Yes. Worn objects that I think have some power of the person who wore them. So belts, the wedding dresses. I did buttons for a long time um my brother was murdered in 1999 oh my god um two weeks before his wedding (gasps) and um my father and I went there the morning it was like the the night before late he'd ridden Marta gotten off at Lenox Square and walked over that bridge and there were just two people looking out to rob cars or whatever and he came along with his briefcase and we think it's a bot was a botched robbery, you know. When my father and I walked up the street, where you could see the blood, yeah, of him running up the street to oh. his friend's house, um, there was, you know, Grady had come, um, and they'd broken apart his shirt, and there was like a button in his. I picked it up, and the blood was still wet underneath. Oh my god! So I did a show at Callumwald called Talking Back which was talking back to uh, violence and and just going through. I, I did a streetscape um, that I created full of buttons and bullet shells and asphalt, you know. And so Oh, my it, God. It is like art has helped me. With express my, your express, grief. Yeah. Express your loss. Express your disappointments. Mm-hmm. That is in all the many ways. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that mm-hmm. because that's a lot for anybody to deal with. But for you to have the wherewithal to then turn that into art, which is at its core self-expression, just mm-hmm. human self-expression in the most creative, interesting ways is really beautiful. Well, I think when we talk about healing myself and hopefully others people came to it and I would show up on Saturdays and talk to me about their losses I'm sure you felt very exposed with that exhibition you just mentioned Mm -hmm. after your brother's murder how was that what did that feel like to put that installation on display um it was frightening Hmm. because there was so much anger in the work yeah like this is like one of the pieces right here it was full of rage the piece you just pointed at has like crimson reds and there's like yellows and there's a lot of black heavy movement and it's yeah it's an expression of something aggressive well and all those f's i didn't even realize i had a ton of f's (laughs) on all the work (laughs) Which we know what that means. Oh my um, God. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So wow, yeah. <laughs> you know, see the buttons. I also have um, the bridge is a symbol in a lot of my work. I include bridges. Um, so it was um, it was very helpful to me, and you know, to have my family also react to it and and be there with me was important. How did um, they respond to it? Um, my father is a little bit more, um, or was a little bit more, like, more hidden. Like, you don't show people, like, how angry you are. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> a man of his my time. My mother, you know? a man of his time. My mother just absolutely connected with it, the loss um, wow. and the grief. And my sister, you know, was so, like, she and her husband bought a piece, you know, to, it was very supportive. So, um, I still have all the buttons and I mean, I could recreate it again. You know, I thought about next year will be 20 years. Oh my goodness. It'll be something to think about. Well, I am, I am really interested to see what you do with that. Mm -hmm. Speaking of healing yourself and expressing your loss and disappointment, let's dive into unbridled and the previous versions mm-hmm. relics of marriage relics of marriage mm-hmm. so how did how did the idea come about for relics of marriage i it's 2009 um i had pulled my wedding dress for my fourth marriage out to um the idea of selling it we we'd gone through bad times with 2008 you know mm-hmm. still struggling to get back on her feet and here's this design a Monique Leu dress mm-hmm. I thought, oh I'll get some money for that so I pulled it out and saw though that it had stains under the arms and on the hem um, champagne stains down the front of it and I thought I don't want to spend $300 to get this thing cleaned that was one hell of a party, too. That's one hell of a party. <laughs> and um, anyway, I, so I, I just draped it over a black chair um, in my living room and looked at it for three months. And it brought up, you know, sadness and grief and um, just all the things that the hopes and dreams, you know, what things weren't going well in my marriage and just like, wow, what a difference. Yes. You know, that day was compared to this you know, dress now this draped on this chair. So when I thought about um, what am I going to do with it? And as an artist, I thought, I'll just pin it up and paint on it or I'll cut it up. Um, you know, being angry yeah. too, feeling that kind of anger um, and disappointment. But I thought I shouldn't do that to my dress. You know, I've learned like when you, I haven't done a drawing do get three of them out of the way because they're all going to pretty much suck at the beginning right (laughs) (laughs) so why go do the my dress you know so um, one of my friends gave me two dresses she had a um, secondhand shop Mm. and could and gave me two dresses and then I put it on Facebook you know to all my friends please give me a dress your wedding dress if you're about to give it to Goodwill and so all these dresses started coming in, and I thought, well, before I do anything with them, I'll do photographic portraits of them, which 
taught me a whole nother way of being, you know, like touching the dresses even and sculpting them. There's like a reverence that I had toward them. Just a lot of power mm-hmm. I, uh, that I could feel. Do you think part of that is the energy imprint of, you know, the emotions behind why the dress was purchased and when it was worn, all that hope and everything? Well, and yes, and that's one reason why I collect only worn, previously worn dresses. Yeah. I don't buy anything at Goodwill with the tag on it. Yeah. Like from, so it's then important it's to me. lifeless. Right. Yeah. Right. It, it hasn't had that experience yeah. um, that I think is really important. Totally. <laughs> well, and in fact, you don't even like them to be cleaned. You like them with the stains on them. I like them, them with the stains on it. I like, I mean, my great thought is to um, do portraits for, for women, families, whatever, um, where they actually give me their dress like the day after their wedding. They go on the honeymoon yeah. And I do a, 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 picture, a photograph of them. Each dress comes in and then it studies, I studied them and like what makes this dress special? And that's what I would try to emphasize. So it's a lot of them were the back because um, that is one thing going down the aisle, you see the back. Um, so it's, uh, it's important with that kind of reverence in my expression to sculpt them with light. And um, I'm a painter mm-hmm. background. So no wonder it's like they're, they're, you know, beautiful. I'll just work on them till they're beautiful hmm. to me. How long does it take you to photograph one dress? It's up to three weeks. Wow. Up to three weeks. I've uh, had some, only rarely could I, would I walk in and be done in 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, and the one that is the side view, that was like the hardest thing. I was like spinning it around. It was so boring. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is the redeeming quality of this dress? And to do this in a, a profile, like a slit. Yeah. I just, that's one of the, my, my favorite ones. Mine too. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. So what's the redeeming quality of this dress? I think these diagonal lines. Mm. Yeah. I would go for like the front, and I haven't looked at the back, but I would go light light it so that those lines pop. Yeah. Yeah. So the dress we're looking at is, like I mentioned, mine. <laughs> and it's sitting on a chair, much like yours sat on a chair those years ago. So... Let's talk about how that evolved because it's 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 fascinating to me what it's become and what it might become in the future because you keep receiving dresses, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So so you started photographing the dresses and at that point did you have any idea of what that would become? It it came to me that I wanted to hang them outside. Mm. And yet I didn't want the gothic feeling of hanging them from a tree. Uh, I wanted something more industrial, architectural again. (laughs) So I just was like, okay, I must just start looking. And and then just happenstance, I found a space in Castleberry Hill and uh, hung them from girders outside, 23 of them. For and really two high months. up. It was like 30 feet high. Oh my out of, so I had to have a lift 
Yeah, and Castleberry Hill is a very industrial neighborhood in Atlanta near downtown. And it used to be all warehouses and factories and things. So apparently this had been a warehouse and it was like just the skeleton was left. The roof was gone. So when I looked up, you looked up to the sky and it's like, oh my gosh, very graphic. Yes. And to have these dresses, you know, flowing in the wind. I did not realize that it was a wind tunnel. Um, Which kind of was perfect. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But it, you know, I paid for a lift. Um, I hung them with heavy duty frame wire. I should have hung them with chain. But because when they rocked in the wind, it sawed the wire off. Oh. So the first, within 24 hours, one of them had fallen. And we, we put it back up. The lift was still there. We put it back up. And then like four days later, another one fell. And my friends lived in the complex, you know, would go out, sit there and smoke. And they'd call me the next day and go, Flossie. I had nicknames for them. <laughs> um, fell, you know, it was on the so they would collect them for me. Yeah. I mean, I never got to see one actually falling. But I was so angry that this, you know, my plan mm-hmm. of having them up and, and seeing which ones would last and the fabric falling apart, you know, like thinking about marriage. and But here they were starting to fall. I didn't talk to anybody for about four days because I was so angry about no. it. And then I realized... It's a metaphor for marriage. Yes. So, you know, here after two months, there were only three of them left hanging out of the 23. Come on. <laughs> so The symbolism. The symbolism. I'm telling, you yeah. know, I've said this before on the show is like art has life cycles and it's it it's takes on one life cycle when it becomes this vision in the artist's mind or heart, wherever it originates. And then it takes on a life of its own when it becomes a reality outside of the artist's being, when the artist creates it, right? And then the third life cycle is when it's interpreted by the viewer or the audience. And so it sounds like it came out of your head or your heart, you know, and then it took on its own life where mm-hmm. it was like, this is what this is, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. And then the interpretation is totally up to the viewer. Right. Right. So it, it's almost like you became you were the creator. And then there was a totally different experience that you had as the viewer mm. as it took on its own life. It's true. I, I, and I'm, I, I look back. I mean, I'm probably only 60 people got to see it. Because it was a gated community. Except there's a video. There's a video. And it's so great. (laughs) Describe the video. My friend Andy Cook did the video. And it was the first day of installing. So it shows the lift. And and Mark Millen, you know, installing it for me. And it was just a great day. Overcast. Mm -hmm. It rained in the evening. So we got to kind of see what it looked like at dusk. And... She she really captured the feeling of it. And um they do feel kind of ghostly. Yes. In this video which reflected the thought that I had. So it's you look at the beauty and and then being empty blowing in the wind. It's yes. It's, it's phenomenal. And I, completely I can't exposed. Her. And completely exposed. Very exposed to whatever which 
is what marriage is, mm-hmm. right? Is you get into this partnership with someone and you are exposed and you have to be comfortable being exposed and com- and it really only works if you are. And then you're accepted. That's right. That's the other thing. Right. Yeah. So if you keep getting the message that you're weird and mm-hmm. why are you this way, blah, 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 and then you become hidden more and more, that's and not it good. falls apart. It falls apart. So. And then only three of 20 years <laughs> left. <laughs> but as... As we mentioned, you know, part of the ritual of receiving the dresses from women who gave me their dresses was inevitably there was some phrase that came out of that talking about it or talking with just someone about marriage. And I collected those phrases. And when I had an, uh, an exhibit at a gallery in New York City for Relics of Marriage, it gave me the the reason to go ahead and have a, I designed a book. So I have the portrait on one page, nice oversized coffee table book. And then just the phrase on the left. I didn't want to tell the story of the dresses or it's just the the phrase that went with the dress. And some of the, a lot of the dresses are thrift store. So those quotes came from other people just talking about marriage. Um, and I love that book. And I love that it accompanied Unbridled, mm-hmm. which was this Unbridled, which was this last show at Gallery 72, because you're flipping through. And some of them are really positive, but a lot of them are like, man, all this anticipation and build up for this one day. And now my marriage is over or whatever. Yeah. And, and they, you the phrases that jump out to you are really fascinating. And so there is this idea of like, I wonder why she chose this phrase, you know, but also I wonder what motivated this person to say that. And then on the opposite page, you have the dress and you're like, you just start thinking about what was that day like? And what does that person feel like now? And are they married again? Or have they sworn off marriage or, you know, it's fascinating. Yeah. There are a lot of poignant, sad ones in there it's yeah. like break your heart mm-hmm. and then some that just crack me up I yeah. love it That's like, <laughs> it's so true about the nuns um, <laughs> wait which one's that she said I don't know why but after my wedding all of my bridesmaids became nuns oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I gotta great. look into that one I know I was like okay interesting pattern <laughs> but her son I mean she was old older and he said, I've been hearing it all my life. So, you know, you could put that in because I didn't want to be disrespectful, yeah. you know, to do that. Of course. But I think out of this series, you know, I started, I react um, doing the photography all the time, being on the computer. Mm. I just want to get back and make art with yes. my hands. Yeah. So I started doing these sculptures out of um, black aluminum that and pinning them to the wall and they they definitely for a long time I didn't want to say that they look like burnt wedding dresses but they do um (laughs) I thought that's what I thought I was like it didn't look like a not a burnt wedding dress to me the way I interpreted it was this like the the yang to the yin Mm -hmm. so you have all these white wedding dresses and and the way so the setup at gallery 72 was you walked in and on the right was the room with all the dresses on the floor and a a projection of the video we just talked about of the dresses hanging and then the portraits of the dresses all over. And it was very white. 
And then on the opposite side of the space was a second room and it was the black belts and then these 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 shapes that you were just talking about out of the black aluminum. So it was very white and black. And to me, it felt very like the hope turning into the disappointment and the action uh, filled with joy turning into like the, the ending filled with loss. So that to me, like the black shape that looked like a wedding dress to me was was the reflection, the mirror image of that. I totally see that. I also think, though, for me, it kind of goes back to the bathing suits, thinking of them as being empty shells, Mm -hmm. just like the wedding dresses were empty on the floor. Yeah. But the black pieces, which the the title of that series is called Exuvia, Mm -hmm. which is the Latin word for the shell left behind, like a cicada. Yeah. Um, So what I like about that is in order to grow... We shed our shells and leave them behind. So whether it's the wedding dress taking it off or these black, you know, just emotional shells that we shed in order to grow, that had great meaning. That is really powerful because no matter what, every experience in life is about getting you closer to your true self and getting you closer to your more evolved self, in my opinion. And so no matter what you've been through, grief, loss, uh, disappointment, hopelessness, joy, bliss, it's all meant to teach you a specific lesson. And I think that what you just said speaks to that a little bit, Mm -hmm. at least the way I interpret it. So we've talked about uh, photography. We've talked about drawing. Mm -hmm. You have sculpted aluminum. You have painted with oil enamel Mm -hmm. have you ever done performance art people have suggested that (laughs) maybe that's Mm. maybe that's to come I think it's as I'm (laughs) revealing myself more and more (laughs) yeah I mean you said unbridled it was very Mm nerve-wracking for you Mm -hmm. why was that you know when you show sadness and darkness Maybe it's that dad part of me, like, oh, don't want to bring attention to yourself. Yeah. The nature versus nurture, though, because it's your nature to express yourself Mm -hmm. in that way and to allow it to come forward to the public as an artist. But your nurture, your dad Mm -hmm. and society at the time told you, like, no, 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 you have to appear buttoned up and happy because nobody wants to see sadness. Right. But I think what we're seeing now and and what we're seeing with so many suicides and so much depression and anxiety is, no, that's the opposite of what needs to happen is we just need to be human. We just need to be our own diverse, multidimensional selves because that's how we relate to one another. That's how we feel less alone. That's right. And the like the I have a series of black paintings and I finally just like, yep, they're about me being sad. Mm-hmm. you know and that's okay and that's in fact, okay it's be- there's a beauty to it mm-hmm. because we've all felt it and so thank you thank you for exposing <laughs> yourself and thank you for having the courage <laughs> to do that your work is phenomenal and I can't wait to share it with the cultured crew I appreciate you being on the show today 
be still my heart. I just adore Elise so much. You know, she has gone through the courage of being vulnerable with her heart so that we can feel more comfortable in doing the same. If you want to learn more about Elise, you can find her at EliseDefore.com and also on Instagram at EliseDefore. And you can find out more about the space that she owns that she rents out for events and gallery openings at EBD4.com. Anyway, honey bunnies, until next time, keep it classy. Keep it curious. Keep it cultured. I'm your host, Michelle Corey. The Cultured Podcast is a production of Frequency Media Co. Visit culturedpodcast.com to read the show notes, get episode extras, and to sign up for our newsletter. You can subscribe to Cultured on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Play, and anywhere podcasts are found.